0: Matthew, think what it would mean if I could talk to the animals. Just imagine it, chatting to a chimp in chimpanzee. Imagine talking to a tiger, chatting to a cheetah. what a
1: neat achievement that would be. If we could talk to the animals, learn their languages, maybe take an animal degree. I'd study elephant and eagle, buffalo and beagle. Alligator,
0: guinea pig, and flea. I would converse. So, Hi Felicia is a podcast that I started with the idea of having conversations on a variety of topics, trying to do a deep dive, um, maybe knowing something about the person, maybe not. One of my guilty pleasures is criminal minds and the team at the BAU, and they always profile a serial killer or an unsub by the fact that that they usually start in a geographical location that's comfortable to them. So I, I do do that. So I am using friends and family and friends of friends and Facebook friends folks who are basically in my sphere at first to interview and have some conversations because I've always been curious about you know where people come from what their interests are and I get really jazzed about talking to someone who's really enthusiastic about a subject that maybe I know a little bit about maybe I know nothing about so I hope you enjoy my conversation with my different guests and um, please feel free to comment send questions um, or send suggestions for guests that you think might be interested uh, to be on Hi Felicia.
1: If I spoke slang,
0: this is High Felicia Podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Ryan. Christopher Hickey makes his home in Malden Mass with his wife Lisette and his three children, Atticus, Lenore, and Paul. An avid lover of dogs. He's guiding his sixteen-year-old Carn Terrier through retirement. He writes poetry, fiction, and develops content for his blog, procrastination.com. That's procrast the nation. Dot com. He is currently pursuing his Master's in Literature and Creative Writing at the Harvard Extension School and is operating in his role as moderator of the Malden Writers Collaborative for a second year. Upon graduation, he hopes to find time to develop a procrastination podcast to complement his blog. I've known Chris with the Malden Writers Collaborative and am uh, really excited to talk to him today. I'd learned to speak in antelope turtle... My Pekingese would be extremely good. If I were asked to say yeah. hippopotamus, I'd say why not. And would, if I could parley... So this is Hi Felicia Podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Ryan. My guest today is Christopher Hickey. But I know you as Chris, so I don't think we need to use the formal, right?
1: Correct. Right. Okay. Chris is great.
0: And Chris is a fellow writer. He has... A blog called Procrastination, and uh, he is the facilitator of the local Malden Writers Collaborative for the second year now. And thank you for coming on.
1: I'm glad I made it. <laughs> it's been uh, hard to get here with with the family uh, things going on and in life. It's been a, it's been a real challenge. So I appreciate your patience.
0: Oh, I, I'm glad we could find the time. So you also work for Harvard. I do as your day job. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you find the time to write with a day job and a family?
1: I have to just grab it whenever the opportunity arises. A lot of times um, when I'm in a quiet place, maybe lunch, I had, there's a lot of great opportunities on the Harvard campus, the libraries, little nooks mm. that I kind of hide in and, and just sort of um, just start pecking away at things. I, I use my phone a lot to note ideas, and, and I also am a... Uh, I guess I apologize to my wife all the time For my collection of notebooks I think this is something writers share A lot of writers share in common Mm. the, The unwritten notebook collection
0: Oh my God, I have so many notebooks. I do mind my notebooks occasionally, but I have been better the past couple of years. And I think the Writer's Collaborative has been part of that to make me more focused about keeping information or drafts or versions or material all in one place. So I've been better about that with my computer. I tend to write more on my computer because I edit more on my computer. Mm. And I feel like sometimes if I put it in a notebook, I never go back to it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fair point. It, it often, I I like the feel of a notebook when I'm when I'm working with it. But it, it, when you get to the point when you have to transfer that to a computer, it can become problematic. So it, it just depends. Um, I'm strictly, I'm strictly almost like a phone guy. I'll put it in my phone, and then I can transfer it to a word document, and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But in terms of uh, finding the time to write, it, it's difficult with those challenges as, as an adult uh, learner, as as a as a parent, and you know sometimes you don't. Know, you feel a little guilty because you want to do so. Um, you know, especially if you have high, high expectations for, for what you want to do for writing. You know, for this month for is a, is a good example. It's um, NaNoWriMo being November. And and uh, the goal for NaNoWriMo for a lot of folks is 50,000 words this month. So uh, the first few days I was really busy and I wasn't able to get to it. So I've been sort of catching up. So it's it's been interesting. I'm, you know, making apologies to myself, but at the same time, trying not to be too hard on hmm. myself.
0: I have not done anything. Um, so I am like very much. There was a lovely little uh, infographic that was on the Writers' Collaborative about where procrastination procrastination land is and the different scenes that you can be. So for me. Um, I've never done nano rightmo, and from for me, sometimes contests or things that are supposed to be motivating are demotivating because it seems like such a big goal, and then I don't do it, and then I'm like, uh, well, I just didn't do it. But I have in my head, and I know this about myself: I'm sitting on probably about twenty five thousand words already, and I want to tweak it and add to it and edit it, so I don't think I have to create new material, mm-hmm. but I may want to supplement that material. So I think probably by the 15th onward, I'll be going like gangbusters. But right now I just haven't gotten my shit together. So
1: I think it's cool when, when you can acknowledge that. I, I mean, for me, it's a hard thing to do. But when you know when you can deliver. I mean, it's a very, very you know. As a writer, it's like you come up against it. You often have to do that. You say, yeah. "Well, I really like if you have a paper due for class or, or you know any written assignment, whatever that deadline is." Sometimes um, that that's a good kick kicking the pants to to get going. So.
0: That is uh, that is always me. Yeah. I have never been anything different, and I always used to feel guilty about it. And then I was reading, um, I was reading a book about procrastination or habits or something like that. And it was a lot about how folks who are sort of type a sometimes in their personality profile are procrastinators because they'll sit on things because they want them to be perfect and so that's like the pendulum swinging probably in the negative territory but that also that they are highly motivated but they're they like the sense of urgency and they will self-create it by like waiting until the 11th hour to pull something out of you know the air or their ass or whatever but for me I even if I know I have like materials or done the research or I sit on it for a while maybe that's not good for someone else, but that sometimes works for me. doesn't always work for me, but usually works for me. That's reassuring
1: to hear that, because I do know several <laughs> folks. That works for me sometimes, and it, you know, I, I, I sort of wear all different hats in my creative process, mm-hmm. but that's definitely a place that I have gone, so it is familiar to me, and it's comfortable. Um, you mentioned type A. What would you categorize yourself as? I, I would say I'm a type B. <laughs> There's no doubt about it.
0: <laughs> I'm totally a type A. <laughs> nice. Excellent. I'm recovering type A. Okay. So, uh, I'm definitely a perfectionist. So again, that, that that pendulum can swing mm-hmm. both ways. So the negative part of it is that I will sit on things t- for too long or spend too much time perseverating around something or having, I'm not a great editor. I've gotten better at it, but I'm a great editor of other people's stuff. I'm a terrible editor for myself. I have gotten better at it, but I would just get so attached to the thing or the word or the sentence that mm-hmm. I wasn't not able to deconstruct. I think i I've gotten better at it. I was not always a good collaborator, like if I was in the team-based, because I would always be the one that would take charge and then sort of commandeer the process and not be open to other people's suggestions <laughs>
1: or ideas.
0: I've gotten better mm. at that. But yeah, it's it's hard. it's hard. Well, I'm a I'm a Capricorn, mm-hmm. so um, that's the kind of stereotypical type A. I'm
1: a Pisces, so I'm very passive. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is type A, so it, it really works well for our dynamic. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we feed off each other um- – she really is able to direct a lot of the things and you know towards perfection and 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 i'm a dreamer so it it (laughs) kind of it's it's a nice it's a match made in heaven she may have another opinion on that but but i I think it works well and and it's funny it's almost you mentioned something about editing your own work and i find that to be a great cosmic joke in in that it's almost like you're blind to your own work absolutely you can say a lot about someone else's it's it's so absolutely clear but what's in front of you and you when you're doing it yeah it's, it's, it's almost Almost like a handicap that you can't see the things, and one of the ways that I tend to deal with that is I put psychological distance between myself and a piece. Like like you yes. said, you're sitting on something. Yeah. You, if you go back to it after a while, it, it's a little bit easier to kind of yeah. cull things out of it or yep. edit it down. But right away, when it's so fresh, you're like oh, I like this.
0: Do you know the idea of soft focus? I don't. Okay. So sometimes in yoga, they'll do this. Sometimes in a meditative state, you can do it. You do a guided meditation. Sometimes if you have fear of closing your eyes to do it, they tell you to do soft focus. And it's sort of the idea of using, I think it's the difference between a direct gaze and a peripheral gaze. But you're not, you you choose, in yoga, they call it a drishti. So it's one particular spot that you kind of focus on that is not usually human, that's not moving. And um, you kind of let your gaze go soft. So you're not so hyper focused on what the detail of the thing that you're looking at, but you're kind of like looking at this thing, but also being aware of everything else in the picture. And that is a tool that I've used for my own editing, my own work. So this idea that you can go between micro and macro and kind of be like, so I love this phrase or turn of phrase or thing that I'm saying, but it does it serve the overall piece or what is the overall piece? And mm. then how am I supposed to enter it? And how am I supposed to exit it? And then what is the middle supposed to be saying? And I'm all for nonlinear stuff. I love stuff that is a combo of fiction and nonfiction, mm-hmm. but does it Serve the piece, that the, the piece have some sort of cohesion. So I think sometimes for me, looking at it, looking at my own work at least with soft focus, I don't get so hung up on trying at it.
1: There's a lot of great points because it, the thing, as you talk in, in, about these ideas, I start, my snaps just start firing all mm. over the place. And, and, and what I like about that is that uh, when you go from a, a soft focus type deal, and, and I know this isn't the right analogy, do you remember those mall p- portraits when you had to kind of.
0: Yes. It? It, yes. Is that's it, soft focus. Is, is, okay. Yes. All right,
1: so it's sort of a, that idea. Um, I was trying to think about how I can relate to that in, in my work because I haven't done that. But I think I'm going to start to practice that just to get, get a little bit of peace of mind. I, I love talking with other writers, finding about a, a, a process in the tools in their toolbox that they utilize mm-hmm. because, I, you know. I think everybody can benefit from learning what other people do, and you know you never know if it's the right fit or not. Yeah. so for me um, to hear these things it's 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 exciting so
0: and that's why the Malden Writers Collaborative, I think, is such a great group because it's always good to be mindful, and I definitely have to remind myself of this of don't compare your stuff or yourself to another writer, but They may have some sort of lesson or learning or style or tip or trick or um, tradition that they use that can then help inform your own process. Because, like, some you know, I've talked to Jason Mm -hmm. about his stuff and and his book reading the other night, he was talking about. You know, his process. He's super um, uh, organized and focused mm. and very pr- prolific. And sometimes I can get down on myself. For, and I think you are, too. You're very focused. You are very prolific. I'm not... That prolific, but I'm also—I've always been a sporadic writer and a sporadic reader, and I do a lot of different things, mm-hmm. and then it kind of comes round again that I focus on some something else. So
1: it's interesting because, based on the experience that I've had, <laughs> the pleasure of, of your writing and reading it is—I is would never know those things about it because <laughs> it—it's. It, I was thinking about this on the way here was was how I view your writing is is almost like in in you know forgive me if this isn't how you view your own writing but I think of it as an, as an impressionist painting mm. because it shows me something that is it is a part of reality but it isn't exactly like reality mm-hmm. and, and, and it's very warm and it makes me look at it a different way mm-hmm. and, and i've had those experiences as I've gone through your manuscripts of the last what has it been three years now oh, Two, two three, years, three years yeah it's been it's been you know a good ride and when you get those kinds of things and those nuggets from the people in the collaborative you just kind of want to get more of it you know and, yeah. and that's why it's it's such a great opportunity and a great um it's a true collaboration because you get to learn Things and see things from other people's perspectives, yeah. and it's a whole lot of fun. It, when we do have different manuscripts come across things that we haven't encountered before, it's it's really thrilling to, to be able to see those. Yeah,
0: things. yeah, and it's it's a it's such a very supportive process to have the pleasure of reading other people's work as a gift, but also when you get your own work workshopped and then you hear perspectives. And you're like, wow, okay, I like that, or I've never thought of that before. And I think having done it twice now, the first time I was super nervous about being uh, judged or being exposed, I think I then realized from that process how to receive critique. And it wasn't like I hadn't ever gotten critique before, Mm -hmm. but perhaps I was able to receive it in a way where I took what I needed from it and I left what I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second time around, I was super confident in the work that I had ready and um, the critiques that sort of didn't work for me. I was able to be like, okay, thanks, appreciate, but not, doesn't necessarily serve me. And then the ones that I felt like really got in there and kind of messed around with stuff and reflected something unique or different or an unusual take i was like oh that that's interesting
1: yeah it's it's, it's a nice little mirror a mirror to get a look back at ourselves that we don't necessarily necessarily see yeah and and um you know, I, I just recently had my manuscript done, and it was really exciting to hear all the things that people either found that, that yeah. did or didn't work. And and I think you touched upon this earlier. I think a lot of writing groups, we all have our own language, and and we, we yes. say these things. Did this work for us? Did this not work for us? And and I think you know we, we've been working towards making the dynamic just more cohesive. That yeah. and, yeah. and that's my hope overall for the group is that we're able to have a place that people can come and freely talk and exchange their ideas and, and, and learn to respect each other in that space. And I, um, you know, just as a segue to being in the role of moderator, as opposed to being just in the workshop, it's, it has challenges that I hadn't anticipated. I had been friends I still am friends with the previous um, facilitator of the group and and when we had talked in the past about things and how the group went it, it was it was always I, I didn't quite understand or I couldn't relate mm-hmm. until I got on the role mm-hmm. and then it was like wow this is, it's, it's significant because I had never been in a role where I've been with 31 disparate personalities <laughs> and, and and you know generally we're, we're all writers and, and yeah and, and it's it's we're there for all the you know pretty much the same purpose but it's 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 interesting and and, and i would ask or challenge anybody that's out there that wants to do something similarly to do it because it's it's a real eye opener and it's a good experience and
0: it's a really good experience but being any kind of group dynamic you know the psych like like Psy- mini psychologist life coach comes out in me because every group, whether we plan to or not, as humans, when we get together in a room, even as adults, there's little mini dramas that come yeah. up. There's things that we get triggered on. There's mm-hmm. psychological stuff we bring in, and so that that as a facilitator, sometimes I watch you handling or juggling all of that, or sometimes choosing maybe selectively to ignore certain things because it. Doesn't serve you to... To pay attention to them. But it's, it's a, I, I sort of watch that. And so, you know, congrats because you've so obviously I, I to got your hands you. full sometimes.
1: I need to talk to you more often because <laughs> I need a better objective idea. Because, you know, Lisette, my wife will tell you, uh, I have I have an awful, I guess you would call, her a, call it a poker resting bitch face <laughs> or non poker. I, I, I'm awful. I, I, I can't hide my emotions. So I don't know what that looks like to anybody there. And, and our workshops are ostensibly at the end of a work day, aren't they? I mean, yeah we meet yes. every other week yeah on on the end of a work day everybody comes in and we're all ragtag tired we all have busy lives and it, it's interesting when we first get there i there's always a change in, in i find in the energy of the group it, it towards the end just as we get going yeah. it's time to stop yes
0: yes That's always a group dynamic too, always. So traditionally, when you are in uh, like a psychoeducational group or a group therapy group, the reveal always comes right at the end. So... Because people wait, they have to find their way. It's almost like walking into the water. You have to become acclimated to the environment before you're willing to like get to the reveal. Mm. And I think everybody's nervous because we start out with positive feedback, but everybody is probably chomping at the bit to, to be like, and let me tell you the thing you did wrong. And and that's not really the purpose of the group, but that's sort of, as humans, our default is problem solving and future predicting. So it's tough sometimes to be in the moment and to listen and to not plan the thing that you want to say and to not worry about getting your two cents in or being funny or garnering some, I don't know, laugh in the group because... You know, we all we all like that camaraderie and that's part of somehow times we approach a group mm. environment but we're there to talk and discuss each other's work and and we want to try and do that respectfully and I think mm. I think absolutely in general everybody is there to do that. Yeah. Probably without exception, and we just tend to express it
1: differently. Sure, and that's a very fair and generous way to say. It. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I can also say, uh, coming in on the backside of it, is that yeah, we do have a lot of strong personalities in the group that tend to, to prattle on about things that may or may not be related to the manuscript at hand, and and that can be a bit distracting, especially to the person that's being workshopped. Sure. And it's like, well, how do we how do we navigate that? I mean, how, how do I navigate that as a facilitator? How, as a group, how do we do that? And and that's something that, that I'm learning as I go. Uh, I'm hoping that I'm getting better. This at is
0: it. my one yeah. piece of advice for you, and this is how I approach any kind of group environment. I always think about who's this, who's the shyest, mm-hmm. who's the smallest voice, who's the least likely to step up, because you don't necessarily always have to worry about the person who's willing to raise their hand. I think sometimes going and trying to cultivate the shyer voices are the they're like the sometimes the hidden jewels, and but I think. The more, the more voices we get in, the better, because that is also sort of, um, role modeling good behavior. Mm -hmm. So I think the, it's tough to be democratic sometimes in a group this large, but we're, we're only, what two three workshops in now yeah we're still finding our our, finding, our rhythm yeah
1: the rhythm that's that's true and, and and that I also enjoy those moments when when the shire folks it, it's like how how engaging do you get and, and I I am I'm a person that I guess I would say I have a little bit of social anxiety almost a little bit to a lot of social anxiety
0: yes absolutely so I, I think the people like who it. are allowed have yeah. that too they just express it in that, a different way
1: that's a good point I didn't think of it that way yes it's absolutely yeah, it's, it's it's really kind of interesting. but um,
0: Anybody as, who has verbal diarrhea has social anxiety.
1: I, you know, I never thought of that. <laughs> it's just manifesting differently.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I mean, often, with that said, oftentimes if I'm in a setting, not, not like ours, but other settings, I will want to say what I have to say first. In the sense that I just want to get it off my chest, yes. just be done with it, because yes. I'm so nervous about speaking. Yes, and and um, I don't know if other people can relate to that, but it's it's definitely I'm sure people can, absolutely, but, but it's it's definitely that's one characteristic of myself. But yeah, this is this is really good feedback to to hear. And, 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 and it's very encouraging.
0: So. My, I had an experience a couple of years ago. My ex is a very strong personality. He and I are still very good friends, but he was someone who throughout my life and throughout our relationship I always knew what I wanted to say, but I didn't necessarily always have the confidence. He never knew what he was saying, but sometimes he always had the confidence. So he could talk to a rock, a tree, a butterfly, whatever. He would say anything to anyone, which wasn't necessarily always good because he didn't always have a, a mm-hmm. filter. But we I would sometimes borrow that model of like hey, if he can do it, I could do. It. And then I was on a jury, he was on a jury, my my current partner was on a jury, almost within like months of each other, and we all were foremen or four person mm-hmm. and. <laughs> I said, you know, I wonder what it was, like, do we make eye contact? Do we look like we know what we're paying attention? Or was it just that we were in that chair, like that corner chair? Because mm. I could see why someone would have picked my ex, because he's like very upright, like, look, you in the eyes, the kind of guy that if we were on, a tea, on the tee and people were getting into a fight, he would jump in and mm. try and break it up. My current partner is a huge, like really tall guy, good looking, does make eye contact, but Actually, if you didn't know him he's shy. And then I make eye contact, I pay attention, I make notes. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what, you know, social science experiment here was that that because the, the judge is the one that picks the four person. And I was like, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're in a group. And then as a four person, how did they run their jury rooms? Like, I was always the one that if nobody would, if someone wasn't saying something, I would say, well, what do you think? Yeah. Because I would think mm, it's not that they don't have anything to say. It's just they're not, saying it and i just found that really interesting like being a facilitator in that situation because and when you're in a jury everybody has an opinion but like you have certain parameters that you're supposed to follow and mm-hmm. people would immediately be like let's vote and i'd be like that's not how it works
1: Lots <laughs> well, of yeah i never thought of that but it's definitely i can re- see that as relatable and um yeah, in terms of engaging other folks in the room, what do you think? I think that's something to add to the toolbox. And, and
0: It's you know. not always great to call people out because sometimes that puts them on the spot. But right. if, if I don't know, like as you get to know the group, maybe mm. there are people that you know really do have something to say, but they're not saying it. The it might body, be worth it language. to keep that in mind, yes. A lot yeah. of
1: times I can see when someone wants to say something even without the hands. Yeah. At, at the outset of, of, a, of a season, we typically kind of – have the hand raising thing. <laughs> Eventually I always like to get into the, our gloves are off. Let's kind of have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. acknowledgement. And we get to that point. I think right now we have 31 active members that have come in, 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 in and out, but about halfway through the season that sort of uh, goes down to about 50.
0: Dwindles. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and that, that can be a good experience in some ways because it, it, it brings everybody a little bit tighter together. Yep. Um, you know, it, most of the writing workshops that I've been part of, outside of this experience, numbered from ten to twelve,
0: maybe yeah, fourteen. At me most. too. Yeah.
1: So it was it was a different experience, and, and I
0: paid big bucks
1: for for, yeah. for different groups. I
0: think uh, I've taken two or three writers' workshops. One was specific to memoir. I paid probably upwards of five five grand for them, and I don't think I got as much. And this is a free group, and it's really just about bringing, bringing your attention and your willingness to pay attention and know that you're going to read work that's not necessarily your genre or your style, or you might not be the actual consumer or reader of mm. this work if it was published in the world, but that we get to learn from that.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's a great opportunity. I think in years past we've had so many different different manuscripts come across come across the board, and we've had everything from children's literature to, yeah. to erotica and, and, yeah. you know, and everything in between. It's, it's it's been a great experience, and and everybody's been so open and, and, and respectful of of the kit care, and cared Absolutely. for the work. So
0: my plug is for people who get their stuff workshopped early that they they continue to come throughout the season because yes. because again, like we want we want those voices we want th- you know, folks who wait until the latter half of the year are just as committed to the group as people who get it, you know, early on. And, you know, hey, we all got busy lives, lives get in our way, but let's all like pitch in and sure. stay committed right through the end. Cause that's, that's some of the, sometimes some of the really, really interesting work gets saved till the
1: end. It does. And it,
0: like you should, you'd be surprised. <laughs>
1: I'm always surprised least two or three maybe even four times a year about the breadth of talent
0: absolutely or somebody like i think your work even surprised me i was like i was like really what's going on here
1: well that that's part of a a project which i'm working towards a thesis, and it's it's a very ambitious project in the sense of idea but it's translating that idea to the actual concrete thing
0: how would you describe the work
1: I would it's a collection of short stories and, and and I'm going after corporate America. that's that's what i'm I'm mm-hmm. after. I I'm, I'm the corporate malfeasance in, in how white men behave badly mm-hmm. and, and it's like trying to bring them bring that to the forefront. It's not as if it's a big secret, but it's sort of the thing that people don't talk about mm-hmm. that they don't acknowledge. and it's it's such it's part of the systemic you know power that's that's in place.
0: And there's some futuristic elements to it, but does it take place now?
1: No. You know, what's funny. It was taking place now, but as the work has progressed, it started to drift off a little bit into the future. Okay. Because I want to incorporate some of the things that are happening in the current administration of um, Trump and and how it's paid forward in time.
0: Do you see it as adult fiction?
1: I do. I I mean, some of my my, my, one of my biggest inspirations would be George Saunders, and he kind of does that thing where he he uses comedy and irony to kind of lampoon. Uh, institutions or ideas mm-hmm. and, and you know it's, it's in that same vein and it's sort of why I align myself with and his kindness and his thoughtfulness mm-hmm. and those are the things that I aspire to do and, and any, any other writers that are out there like that so that that's sort of it's, it's an exploration of that and, and in, in my current project for NaNoWriMo it's, it's, it's another I'm writing each cons- consecutive short story and, and all the short stories in the collection are related in some way and and i had a lot of fun writing the first the second one um, which was about sort of a pitch session by the company that that sort of sells accountability or how do we hide how do we hide corporate malfeasance and we provide you know people a fall guy a fall guy is going to come in and take the rap for someone and this, this is where i see the future of uh, crime and punishment and, and you know it's just sort of a, an idea of moving in that direction it's how i envision it so uh, i'm just it's a little dark chris you don't it, seem that dark oh i'm dark
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it, no, It's one of those things where it, it just has to I, I it's one of those things that's been itching at me for a long time i have to just i have to write it and and i want to write it and and it it's becoming fun and and i, I would say i'm am a pantser in this this iteration of creativity because as i'm writing i'm discovering things about characters mm-hmm. characters are coming in that i didn't intend and and, and they're talking and they're living and they're breathing in, and it's really fun and exciting which is what i wanted for this project mm-hmm. because i wanted it to be something that wasn't even though there was a deadline i wanted to be something i wanted it to be something that i enjoyed doing mm-hmm. and i am enjoying it so
0: we'll come back around definitely to storytelling because i'm curious to hear your thoughts about
1: oh my god your experience
0: I, because my la- one of my last guests was Cheryl Hamilton from Massmouth. She was the one that actually taught my um, storytelling class.
1: You what lucky?
0: Yeah, chose, she was I so good.
1: I, I, I mean, we had a wonderful experience. So I, like you, I had always been wanting to do story. Well, I, I wanted to do storytelling from the stage, mm-hmm. and I followed your example.
0: And I followed Heather's examples. So. Example. So, so, another <laughs>
1: benefit of being in the Malden Writers Collaborative was that we all sort of gravitated towards this performance of stage telling, storytelling from the stage. Yep. I took a class, which was um, through Mass Month.
0: Yep, I did did, did that same, same class. Yep.
1: So, um, you were all giving great examples, and my experience was wonderful. I, I met, you know. Five, six different people I had never met before, and we came together and we learned of each other's different stories. Um, they put it to you right away when you get in there, and they say, "Okay, bring a story idea." Yep. And you you only have four minutes.
0: I know. Four minutes. I know.
1: And and you have to condense your story into four minutes, but it, it's it's serving because it 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 makes you create a better story. Idea. Absolutely. And and in my experience, um, my my story was. I guess I wouldn't say it's dark. I I find it hopeful, but it has dark elements. Mm -hmm. And it's about the birth of my first child, Atticus. And and what Lisette and I had gone through, um, we were looking for a natural birth for him and um, all the ups and downs of that. And when we went to the hospital um, for Lisette to be induced, that night my mother passed away.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: In the same but we didn't know. We we were ignorant of that fact yeah. because we were in the middle of the pregnancy. So I thought what a great opportunity to share this story and and, and, and it's also very healing for me yeah, to yeah. kind of process. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It because I never really talked about it or in, in, in passing but it, it, there's a there's a very uh, strong therapeutic line to the storytelling a- aspect and, and sharing yeah. and yep. the respect that audience gives you and the reactions and yeah it, it, it's really strong and 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 i was very thankful to have the audience and the experience was was largely largely great i mean i was nervous as hell i think i mentioned this to you yes and, I know, I know I do have aspects of social anxiety involved. So I think there were eight of us at total for our performance. Um, I was number seven of eight. <laughs> so I was oh. chopping at the bit and I wanted to go so badly and get it over with. And I sat through everybody's story and trying to remain attentive. And, yes. But at the same time, I'm repeating the storyline, the plot structure. Yeah. And, and staying engaged. It was It's a real challenge. So I, I wonder what it would be like outside of that because if I go to uh, another story a slam, yep. it might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd love to hear about your experience.
0: Oh gosh! Um, so something scared the crap out of me, but I knew I wanted to do it, and um, I put a lot of pressure on myself in everything I do, but I put a lot of pressure on myself for this. So the first class was torturous because people got up and we watched really great storytellers and people in the class were really great storytellers and already sort of had a preformed idea. I sort of felt like I was limping along through the class. Um, The two times I got up in class to tell something, I was just all over the place. It hadn't come together yet. And I did realize that I'm the type of person that needs repetition to have my story together. Otherwise, it's too vacuous and too, I want to, to gather too much stuff to tell you about the thing that I want to tell you. So I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to practice. And I recorded it and I recorded it and I recorded it and I drove around talking it and then I wrote it all out. And as I wrote it all out, I realized I can't write this story. I have to tell this story because writing it is different than telling it. Um, And I – ended up calling a friend and I said, can I just tell you the story? And I said, these are my challenges. You know, I'm not thinking I have a beginning, middle and end. I feel like I'm too windy with it. I'm get, trying to get in too much stuff. And just tell me what you would think would be the highlights and do I have a story? And um, she was super helpful and she kind of coached me through it. And she just said, it's not windy, but this kind of goes off. You might want to cut that and just kind of, you know, center yourself around it. And it sounds like if you tell it a few more times, it's going to come together for you. And I did a lot of comparison with people in the class who were really like had this beautifully well put together story. And the night of I was second, and I was okay because I almost wanted to be first, uh, just to get it over mm-hmm. with. And um, I knew there were people in the class that were even more nervous than I was. And the person I went f- that went first was good always. Like she had her story, it was very well. It was c- cohesive, it was funny. Mm-hmm. it was poignant. And I just thought, oh, it's going to be hard to follow. And I do remember having kind of an out-of-body experience sitting at the table in Club Passim waiting for myself to get up. And I had so many plans for that day. Like I was going to have a manicure and I was going to put on makeup and I was going to do my hair. And um, none of that worked out. And I ended up going on stage with a hat. And, like, I think I had pants that had, like, a hole in the p- in the pocket or the leg or something. And I had to pick my stepdaughter up and she was late. And then there was a dog loose in the neighborhood and I couldn't find her and she wanted to go find the dog. And then we had to cut like, so it was like this comedy of errors to get to the place on time. So... All of my planning went out the window. So I was so distracted by the time I got there that I almost didn't have time to be nervous. Mm. So before you do something important and you have a lot of time sitting around, you should plan to have a comedy of errors because then that will distract you from feeling nervous. (laughs) I did have about a half a glass of wine before I got on stage, and I did have the moment of panic where I was like, "I can just go hide in the bathroom, and nobody will know, and I don't have to do this, and nobody's like paying me to do this." And so, if I leave right now, nobody will know. Even though, I'm like, my fiance and my stepdaughter were sitting next to me, so they obviously would have known if I hadn't gone on stage. But I hit it out of the park. I was like really shocked. I was mm-hmm. at a beginning, middle, and end. It was four and a half minutes. On the, not, on the nose wow. and I came off stage and Cheryl Hamilton who had taught the class was like, oh my God, that was good because I had really like – it was confirmation for me that like I really sucked in class. Like mm. my telling was like just not good. It was all yeah. over the place. It was disjointed. And so when I got up on stage and I actually had something, she was like, oh. Oh, that was good. <laughs> you can do this, and it wasn't like she was saying like that stuff sucked. It, but in my head, I was like, yeah, I, I knew the difference. I was, I was happy someone else saw the difference. So
1: that's great. I, I mean, I like the idea of rising to the occasion and <laughs> having those distractions. Really, I mean, it's like if you tried to manufacture distractions, will that change it next time?
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Or it, it, yeah.
0: I just remember how nervous I was, but I do remember getting up there and not being nervous.
1: Could you see the audience in, in A little the bit. way it was lit? Because tiny bit. I had this idea that we were going to do it in club pism, but we didn't get there. Yeah, we were over in Kendall, and the room was extremely well lit.
0: Oh no! So I
1: saw everybody, and they saw me, and, and
0: that's another reason for soft focus.
1: I couldn't do the soft focus. I that I should have, and now that I have it in my toolbox, because you mentioned it earlier, I'm going to do it next time. But I I am a big fan of of the uh, subdued lighting. And yes, where I would prefer the audience to see me, but for me not to see.
0: Yes, and and that it actually helps because I knew they were out there, and there was like one or two I could see. Mm-hmm. But there was not like super sharp focus on faces or expressions. So occasionally I could see someone nodding or I'd, Mm. I'd hear the laugh. And I know um, body language-wise, I was doing a weird thing where I was going down to the mic and I had my hands in my pockets because mm-hmm. I was conscious of the fact I had not had a manicure and I was pulling at my pocket. So I was doing like weird body language things. But I had my story down. It had a beginning, middle, and end. It had arcs to it. It mm-hmm. was funny. It was sad. I was telling a story about um, – it was it was called I think first impression. I, I that was the theme yeah. I used first impression. Mm-hmm. So it was based on um, the first time I met my ex, and then mm-hmm. you know how how we were. I started the story with us, me cleaning out the apartment that we lived in together for 19 years, and finding a pair of socks, and then using that to sort of catalyst into what our relationship was like and the ups and downs, and then. Actually, at the end, getting his permission to tell the story and then sort of relaying what he had said to me um, about what his first impression of me was in our meeting. Mm. So it was, yeah, it was a great experience. I'd love to do more of it. I admire people who do it well and Mm. look so comfortable up there. Um, And I think it is practice. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be willing to get up there. And uh, I had a few class members who forgot what they were saying Mm. and got stuck, which I think is everybody's worst fear is that I'm not going to remember my story, even though how could you not remember your story? It's your story. Or they're going to falter or they're going to... I've even had a few guests on the podcast who have done that there in the middle of saying what they're saying, and then they become self- conscious about what they're saying, mm. so it's like you have that moment of like, "Oh my God, what did I just say? Did it make any sense?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely felt that in my experience, and for me, I was very fortunate because my story a good piece of my story involves a midwife, and there was a midwife in my audience.
0: oh wow, and
1: as I told the story. I felt, I felt, and it's authentic to me, but to see, as you said, someone in the audience nodding their head.
0: Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and it was wonderful because I could tell that. There was someone who understood exactly what I was talking about. And I think any, anybody could have generally related to that experience. Right. And, and having lost a mom and not realized it and, yeah. and then finding out about it. So it, it was very cathartic. I know that word is overused a lot. But yes. in, in that moment, it was really a cool experience. And and I felt way more vulnerable doing a story from the stage than I ever have in any manuscript that I've passed into
0: Absolutely. any Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And it's, it's equal parts thrilling and nervous. Yes. so
0: Perfect yeah. way to describe it. Perfect.
1: But, but I, like you, have the bug and I want to do it more often. Just trying to find the time to do it.
0: Right? I know. Because it takes, takes a while to develop a good mm-hmm. story for the stage because... I think, you know, as you learned in the storytelling class, an anecdote is not a story. You could have a kernel of a story, Mm -hmm. but it not be able to flesh it out. And then there's other, like I, when I interviewed Cheryl on the podcast, Mm -hmm. we talked about storytelling and I told her the story of being nervous for the storytelling, And she's like, that's a story. Of course. It's like anything that kind of reveals stuff about yourself Mm -hmm. is really an interesting way to start a story or to be part of a story. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And did you find that any of your training as a writer moved over into that? I I mean, there were some things in terms of the elements of storytelling, the basics. And and that sort of helped me and guided me. And I knew, I felt I had good footing in that regard. I mean, I was willing to do some changes and tweaks and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. But I always felt like, all right, I know how to hit points in a story. Right. I don't always execute well.
0: I like stories and storytelling that breaks rules. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I was given a set of rules, I felt very – hampered by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt like I had to fit my thing into it. And yeah. it I'm always terrible when I'm trying to fit my thing into it. So like I was obsessed this past year with Fleabag mm. and that's storytelling and I love storytelling that breaks that third wall. Yeah. So she would be funny and she'd have her thing and then she'd be like, "See, see what's going on here?" And I like the idea of maybe incorporating some breaking some rules into my future storytelling because and so you don't want it to be a comedy routine But I love the idea of directly speaking to the audience and then also reflecting kind of an overall of what your thing is Mm. rather than it just being a straight Mm. story. So I think might try and play with that a little bit.
1: I think that's worth playing with. I, I, I am looking forward to Fleabag. That's earmarked for us. We have. Oh, yeah.
0: We, we, that's so my,
1: good. I can't wait. I mean, I've heard so many people talk about it, and you know, that you've mentioned it, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I think it's really cool to do that to break the fourth wall yes and and and, and it involves you as a viewer yes it brings people absolutely and then you become part of the story yes you know that whole you know the never-ending story you're reading the book or it's really nice to kind of um interact with things in that way but i say continually go against convention and keep doing that yes because when you i already find that you have strong voice in your work
0: oh thank you just
1: keep going forward with that because that's that there's no wrong for that.
0: And I yeah. was always told – so I was an English major undergrad and I did not have a great experience because I was always told that <laughs> – um, I should take the writerly voice out. So like, you know, if we were doing critique or this type of writing or that type of writing or expository writing or whatever, there was too much me in there. And so I was always given like, you know, you're not following the rules or whatever. So um, that was drilled out of me. And then I was, I found myself drawn to and reading a lot of stuff where I you definitely hear the writerly voice really strongly. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to just give this up. I'm going to give this idea up that I can't put that in there. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it works now more, you know, better than it ever has for me that my my voice is in there.
1: You know, it's funny. I don't want to be too cynical about it. I mean, who the hell are they teaching? <laughs> who are these people teaching these things? Yeah. Do you think they've used that as an exercise to sort of make us break down and – do that and then eventually just go back the other way and say we're going to do that put our own
0: maybe voice- or, I mean I don't
1: know Maybe that's, like that's kind
0: of I don't know Like learning to do Things the right way yeah. uh, That's so tough Especially in a Creative field Like I don't know I mean there's something To be said for good sent- Sentence structure yeah. And grammar And whatever But I even like Writing that breaks Those oh, rules yeah. You know what I mean oh, I for sure I love run on sentences <laughs> <laughs> I love ellipses I, I love all that stuff So It's
1: exciting when you, when you get to a piece That is almost like A stream of consciousness
0: Yes It's,
1: it's like you can totally relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you can untrain yourself on to read things that are unconventional
0: or a story in a story or like, uh, you know, like if it's, if it just like doesn't make a lot of sense and it's, but you know, like, Hey, impressionism, dadaism, whatever it is, you know, that's, there's all, there's, there's room for everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I love pieces that are linear as well, but that's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, In terms of my own writing, I'm not as linear. I'm writing a piece. I'm having trouble with it now. Mm. And it's funny because uh, I was talking to a songwriter. And um, she's talking a lot about how she's very very heart-centered. And a lot of the work that she, a lot of the music that she writes is very heart-centered. And I said, I'm really loving this idea of writing from... The expression of a feeling and that being your starting point. So right now I am writing about the feeling of frustration. So you like um, the analogy would be or the metaphor would be very female. But if you're if you've ever been stuck inside of a yoga top or a sports bra like it gets like you see you're kind of sweaty and you're trying to get out of it Mm -hmm. to change to go take your shower or whatever but it's stuck Mm. and so there's like these yoga tops that have like a shelf bra in them but you can only get them off by like shimmying out of them and then you have to get them up and over and over your shoulders. There's a point at which you get stuck in them. Mm. And there's like a mild panic like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to cut this thing off myself. And plus, you're – or like if you're – okay, so you're you've just been swimming in a bathing suit and your bathing suit is stuck and you can't mm. get it off. So that there – that's – Go. he hit go.
1: Yeah, it would be definitely – panic would definitely be there.
0: Or like you got your socks halfway on and and something's happening and you got to try and move now. Or you get your, p- your pants halfway on. What are you going to
1: do? <laughs> it's 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 yeah. It's a good exercise. I never I've never approached it in that way.
0: I write a lot from feelings, and I never realized that I necessarily did that. But I was looking at some of my work and talking to that songwriter. I thought, yeah, I do spend a lot of time writing about a feeling, like an overall mood, a feeling, a tone.
1: And does that translate after the piece is written?
0: I think so. And so I'm starting it the other way with yeah. this with this new idea rather than it just being an example of a feeling i want to start it from that and then see if i can build the piece around that and it's this idea that you're halfway between something Mm. you're not quite here but you're not quite there how do you move forward? Your arm is stuck. Your shoulder's stuck.
1: That's a really great puzzle. I mean, just thinking about it.
0: You have a piece that you'd like to read? Sure. Introduce it. Tell us what we're going to hear.
1: Okay. But as part of the work on my blog, I do a lot of photography, and it's
0: yeah, prof- beautiful stuff.
1: You. It's just how I do. You frame take things.
0: pictures with a an ex- your phone? Just the phone.
1: Wow. It's, it's really because it's always about access in a moment for me. If I see something and I want to frame it, and, and I and I know a lot of what I've learned through doing the blog is part of the content or bringing people towards the blog and traffic. If that's your goal, is is to have um, things that you can view. So that, that that's one of the tools that
0: having I a use. visual,
1: having a visual. But it's you know, for me, we talk about being stuck between feelings. When I when I get motivated or inspired to write a poem, it, it's it's something I usually have seen, and then I just kind of go with that feeling. Mm. So I guess I, I I kind of do do that. But um, I'm really intrigued by this this notion of being stuck somewhere. So I'm going to play with that a little. That, this isn't the poetry that I'm working on right now, but um, I think they're going to earmark that for later. I'd like to read a, a poem called Vision. It's a short one. Basically, I, I was I was thinking about... The moment of death <laughs> and here we are in the dark place again mm. and, and and what what happens in that transition from living to, to, to death for the person that's actually experiencing it and and i said what would be the last thing that i see in in when i die is is that going to carry forward with me is there is there even an essence of me afterwards so it's it's sort of grappling with all that stuff so the name of this poem is vision what last goodbye would suffice what fleeting vision held what lasting sight To last all night, an eternity to dwell. A dusking sky, a last goodbye, no solace in the loss. Tightly held in darkness dwells, a fleeting vision's cost. It's just really kind of a short thing. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Um, But it, it started in a place like that, but then it's kind of like, yeah. You know, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I felt about it. So it, that, that's, you know, you'll find a lot of those kind of things in, in my poetry and thoughts. And
0: Did you think about that with your mom or?
1: No, just generally. I think one of the things that—it's always sort of a theme that's running around, mm-hmm. mortality and, 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 you know, what, what, what's going on here and, you know, how we live and, and, and how we die. These are all important ideas to me. So th- these are themes that run throughout my work. And then I'm always reflecting upon those things.
0: Does your belief system, ha- you know, I don't know what traditionally you grew up with, but has that changed? Is that inform it? Is it just philosophically you're thinking about it?
1: More, f- more to the philosophical, but I can't, I can't deny that I grew up in the, in the Catholic faith, and, and I've had an experience, you know, so much a lot of people have. Um, I, I, I guess not. I've had a, a positive experience, but with that, I still can hold. Them accountable for the behaviors that have gone mm-hmm. unchecked and you know glossed over and all that, so there's a lot of disillusionment with that. It doesn't really inform it, but it, it's I'm more nostalgic for the good experience I had, Mm-mm. but I also. Empathize for the people who didn't have that experience, mm-hmm. and, and and it really is. Uh, it's more to the philosophical, but and I'm all over the place. I can't really nail it down now. But one of the, I think poetry is one of the ways in which I kind of explore those things.
0: Yeah, I think that's a perfect so, medium for it yeah. too. Poetry is. I think of it as a lot of poetry. I feel like is painting. You know, it's just painting with words because it's not. It's like watercolor. It's not super defined. Or at least the poetry that I like, and uh, it's usually an impression of something.
1: Yeah, I don't stick in one place right now. I'm kind of exploring all the different things, and I've taken classes and I, just just different experiences. I think sometimes the stuff I write is is more for me in in how yeah. I express myself, and I don't really. I know this is probably counter to what a lot of people do. I I don't always worry about the content that I put up, I just kind of get it out there. It's nice. more important for me to put it out there and then, you know, sort of let it sit and percolate a little bit mm-hmm. and then come back to it. Yep. Sometimes I cringe, but sometimes I surprise myself. Yes. And that's fun.
0: That's always a nice yeah. feeling, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, and, and then it makes me, it validates, you know, the whole process for me. But again, even the struggles over it, they validate the process. Yeah. It's just, it's you know for me um, always to be moving forward in some sort of creative endeavor and 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 you know i i, I don't know if that's the same way for you but i i, I wouldn't say i get down about it but I, I definitely i'd rather be creating that's my bumper sticker you know
0: absolutely like i'm um i've always got something going on i like collage um i have you know <laughs> at at jason's book reading i was talking naomi khan and she, she and i were talking about we want to have a jewelry repair party because we both have like tons of jewelry supply beads and tools and what have you so i i have my hand in that kind of stuff um i was just painting furniture the other day like i like dragging stuff out onto the porch and i have um i um, a filter mask and spray paint and all sorts of stuff. And I was just printing out, like I'd started spray painting something yellow. And then I was like, Oh, maybe I'll put leaves on it. And so I started getting stencils out. I get, um, I get bored very easily. So I've always got something going. i was putting, I was painting and putting up, um, wallpaper last year. I made myself super crazy with that. Um, I, you know, researched wallpaper and went and found things and was Pinterest boarding things. I went down mm-hmm. to the local store and talked to the guy, probably too obsessively about paste and glue and tools and watched YouTube videos and then. <laughs> I talked to myself out of repairing the snowblower this year, and but I like to take stuff apart. Like mm. I like to take. I'm not good with electronics, but if um, and I'm I would never do electrical stuff or plumbing. Mm. But if it's mechanical in nature, I you can find schematics for almost anything online. Absolutely. And if it has a brand and a model number, you can actually find specific schematics online for things. So. Like there's some things like I was able to take our in, – in our old house, I was able to take the dryer apart. It was an old enough model and figure out it just needed a belt and then, you know, how to get the, the turbine back on and so – I like to do stuff like that
1: i did that repair i felt like a god afterwards.
0: yeah don't Does it, it was like but there's like you there's amazing youtube videos out oh. there there's a ton of crap like there's people who take squ- right. squishies apart and repaint yeah. them do you know about this <laughs> you, you have that age group
1: we do my daughter is into that kind of stuff and i'm like it's like, costly and it's ridiculous but um
0: we we say um my step is 13 mm-hmm. that like she is going to probably have a job that we are going to be like, oh, my God, that's a job. Mm. Like she's ultimately going to have some sort of job that we are we as human being adults mm. of a certain age are going to not think is an actual job because mm. the stuff that's on YouTube now that she pays attention to. You're like, like, what the hell is this crap? Like, like, and you don't want to be the old person like right. Oh my lawn. But a lot of it is like like million hits on someone taking crap apart, like I should be a millionaire because I take a lot of crap apart, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Maybe I don't finish it, but I take it apart. But
1: that's but that's part of the whole thing. I mean, and, and that goes hand in hand. I think with for me, I love talking about creative process and writing. Yeah, I want to know what makes it work. Yeah, so I think there's some of that. Some
0: you got it. You got yeah. That's a YouTube yeah. channel right
1: there. It has to be. I mean, these kids. I mean, they're going to inherit the earth, and they're going to do that. It, it's 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 insane. I mean. My kids, I mean, we grew up relatively close in age, I think, and, and our, my experience was cartoons. Right? I mean, yeah. And in, in watching those cartoons on Saturday and Sunday mornings, yeah. they, they didn't play them at any other time. Right. These, these kids, they get cartoons whenever they want, The press of yes. a button, yes. and it's nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I mean well, the, I guess that's not fair. They they, they are entertained by it, but um, I definitely see that trend. And
0: Yeah. Play. And, but also not having sort of, um, and maybe this is a personality thing, but not being um, so curious about the world that they want to take crap apart and put it back together. They, Mm -hmm. they want it to be fixed for them. Like I said to my stepdaughter once, like, why don't you come downstairs? Mm -hmm. I'll show you what the dryer looks like taken apart. And she's like, Mm -hmm. she's like, I don't want to know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, aren't you curious? And like she's a, she's super creative. Like she's, she's, she likes, um, like model building and things like that. And she's like, no. And I was like, well, you should like be self-sufficient and want to know how to do this stuff. She's like, why? I would just have somebody like you. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. But like she found another way to get her needs met. Like she would just, right. like me, I would not want to know it how to do it myself, she's like, no, 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 I'll find somebody like you who knows how to do it. And I was like, well, I guess that's maybe problem solving and it's a different way, but...
1: Sure. I mean, I, I it's not what I would elect, but uh, yeah, it's definitely it seems like that's what the direction that a lot of it's heading in. But I mean, what, what what's going to happen when there's no electricity or Wi Fi?
0: Yeah. Well, we play the game like so if there's a zombie apocalypse, who's gonna get eaten first? And I'd be like, Well, you would be eaten first because you'd be waiting around for someone else to come find you and they find you and the zombies would get you first. Yeah. And i would be like, Clearly. I know how I know how to make like I'm the one with the hatchet. I'm the one that knows that if you burn crayons, they light like candles. I know all of these t- tricks and tools. I know that you could go to the library and find a book on things that you could eat in the world. Wilderness, you'd be waiting for someone to find a can opener for you.
1: Well, I know where I'm coming. If this is, <laughs> podcast, I'm
0: coming to find you. Do you watch anything like that? Are you like uh
1: oh, a- Used to be a huge Walking Dead fan. And then I just kind of lost patience with it. Mm-hmm. But I like the notion of it and this idea of yes. it, it. goes into the what we talked about, yeah. the dynamics. and.
0: Did you read the graphic novels at all?
1: Yeah, to a point. And, and, and my nephews were more into it than I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love graphic novels. But, yeah, just the whole idea of it is, is a wonderful uh, convention. And, you know, it, it speaks to a lot of the things I'm interested in, mortality and, and you know, what, what comes, what are the possibilities. It's definitely a direction that... I think it just took off hugely, and yeah. I see it in the video games too. With you know my son, absolutely. But it's it's definitely something that's a lot of fun. I, I think I read the, the the zombie survival guide recently. I didn't finish it all the way, but yeah. it, it talked a lot about those things. Those types. Did
0: of you ever things. read World War Z? It
1: I was pretty yet. good. But I, it does it it does hold um, some allure to me. I,
0: I World War Z is good also from, uh, it's a storytelling from lots of different perspectives, which I really like.
1: That's fun. And that's It
0: was very good. Yeah guy did a good job yeah.
1: that's the same author who did the zombies i think so it's, it, i just haven't got to that yet and imagine oh, i'm just a, i talked about notebooks earlier collecting notebooks that aren't written in i i know there's a word in japanese for it i don't know what the word is i'm sure i could look it up but it's it's collecting books that you're going to read but you never actually read
0: oh i totally have that
1: it's 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 a sickness <laughs>
0: Okay, so what books do you have right now that are like staring at you that you have not read?
1: Well, I have the 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 haunting of Hill House. Oh yeah! So I just watched the, the series and it was so good. I Isn't know, the series it, good? It was unbelievable. I was. It so, scared
0: the crap out of me a little bit.
1: It did. I mean, it, truthfully, and, but it, when when it's done that well, episode the sixth episode I think it was, where they did that take that fifteen minute take, I couldn't believe how wonderful they did that, and it just kept going and going. and The camera didn't no cuts.
0: Oh God, yes. Wasn't oh yes. That amazing.
1: I mean, and just to go back from this medium and to go back and to see, oh yeah, that's based on a book. Have you
0: gone all the way through yet?
1: No, I just – I have the book. I just got it from the library and –
0: No, no, the series. Oh, oh, yes, we have. Yeah. Okay. Did the reveal surprise you? Because it surprised me. I didn't see it coming.
1: In some ways. You know, that's – I think that's – let's say it's a – so because I kind of guess a lot of the stuff.
0: You it's did. Like, it's like the curtain. I know, didn't see that.
1: The Wizard of Oz type thing. It, I, I think. Oh,
0: okay. So I never figured out the Wizard of Oz till I was like a, an adult. Huh? I never figured that out. I was totally on board with the Lion, the Tin Man, mm-hmm. the Scarecrow. Had no idea they were the farmhands. Thought that she actually went someplace. Yeah. Didn't get that whole. No, did not
1: get that at all. Well, there's a book I never read, but I have to go back and revisit to go read that book but yeah that that one i kind of figured out and and, and i have this thing and it, it almost goes back to the walking dead whenever they start a story um and the, whoever the protagonist might be i always find that it's always going to wrap in that way I and then that's kind mm-hmm. of a cheat okay and i and, and i kind of always look for that and th- i think that's one of kind of the more disappointing parts of game of thrones for a lot of people there wasn't that closure for some folks i mean um I think it, having viewed The Haunting of Hill House and how strong the writing was for that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the way up to the last season of Game of Thrones. I don't know if you've watched that or if you're a fan of it.
0: Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Yeah.
1: It, 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 it's just I watch a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it's in the pop culture. It, mm-hmm. A lot of people wildly were disappointed by that ending. I, w- I wasn't disappointed. No. And I saw that it worked, and it worked for me from an average yeah. standpoint.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But but uh,
0: I think it only read the
1: f- first book. Yeah.
0: The first I of the that, series,
1: very nice. Uh, gone through most of them, except for the last one. But I think they could have expanded that last season into two seasons and maybe did it a little different. Sure. But I don't know. I, I just think with anything, you're going to find um, a, a certain amount of displeasure with it. anything, any closure.
0: So the so these are the books that are haunting me right now. Um, someone gave me a book of Lisbon poets. Mm-hmm. Um, Is it uh, translated? Yes. Okay. I don't read Portuguese. I, did. I was going to ask you though. No. Right. <laughs> um, I have um, a Wrinkle in Time, which I'm halfway through. I'm almost finished Shrill, but it's just mocking me. I just got out of the library a book, uh, Reviving Ophelia, which was a reprint of the book that originally came out. She updated it for Today's Girls.
1: I remember that book.
0: I'm about a quarter way into that. And then uh, I just ordered on Amazon two books. (laughs) They came in the mail yesterday. Uh, The Brief and Wondrous Life of Oscar Oh, whatever. And then um I bought Roz Chast. Uh can't we talk about something more pleasant? Which is a cr- graphic novel. Mm-hmm. She you know who Roz Chast is? I've heard of her. She's a cartoonist for you in the New Yorker magazine. Yes. So this book is about her parents and her parents aging and her mom needing to go into a nursing home and like just the, you know, basically the denial and the parents not wanting to tell her things or share information with her and then also needing her help with stuff. So yeah,
1: Some experience with that.
0: Relatable. Yeah. Definitely. You've had experience with that? Yeah,
1: a little bit. It's, that's a whole other can of worms. But everything you just listed, now I want to read. Oh, see, see yeah, how it yeah, yeah. It's, it's, See how that works? It's, you know, oh, man.
0: And then I have all sorts of books on my queue at the library. Mm-hmm. Ocean Viong was one of the um. mm-hmm. His book, I think, I think it's coming. I have to check on Thursday for when we're at the library. But I think they've told me that it's ready, so I can
1: pick it up. I hope it is. (laughs) It's
0: supposed to be beautiful. Yeah. So maybe I'll just. And what happens is, I go and I pick through lots of different books, and I like to read fiction and nonfiction. Mm -hmm, I usually mm -hmm. have one of each going, but then I'll get. Only so far through something, but then I find something and I read it all the way through. And then once I've done that and I've completed that book, I go back and I f- try to finish other things. So
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting how that works. I, I also have books going at the same time, several different books. Yeah. But if something really grabs me, I'm all in.
0: Yeah, I do that too.
1: Uh, I just recently saw that the PBS uh, Master Series, they did uh, Ursula Lagoon. They did a, 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 ser- a serial on her, and it was excellent because you know, I just had never read any read anything that she had written, and she she had all these great science fiction novels, and oh. and, and like you just see shadows of of that influence on on Harry Potter and, Absolutely. and Neil Gaiman. Anything, you know, you
0: yep. know, uh, J.K. Are Ronan you a new Neil Gaiman fan?
1: Absolutely huge, huge. Love that guy. I love everything about him. I I, I just love his wife Amanda. <laughs> yeah, they just seem to have. I, this dislike, thing going her. On. I dislike, dislike her. I dislike her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. I I don't know. I mean,
0: I think she's a sensationalist. I don't find her, at least as far as, so I'm going to be really harsh. I don't find her worthy of attention in any way. I don't think any of her ideas are unique. I think that she's uh, a huckster. I think she's into marketing. Mm-hmm. She markets herself really well. and But I don't find anything gentle, kind, or revealing about what she's doing. I find her just as expository. Mm-hmm. However, if you flip that switch for me, I find someone like Eve Ensler, who is very Mm self-revealing and... Expository. I find her very impactful. I found her educational. I find her very moving. So I put the two together, and I don't, I don't see True. that for Amanda Palmer, but I do see that for Eve Ensler. That's and really interesting. Amanda Palmer also is like tangentially related through the Boston music scene. Yeah, that, there's a lot of Boston music scene people in my life yeah. who are rabidly anti-Amanda Palmer, and I'm sort of, sort of on their side for those reasons.
1: That's cool. I, I My only experience has been true. I mean, I've seen her perform a couple of times. It was part of this whole like mm-hmm. pan nine scene over in Alston. Yep. I, I saw her there and, and it was a good experience. And I generally like the playfulness that they have. And if, yeah, that, if that's, absolutely. If that's uh, superficially way, then I feel bad for that it's weird
0: she's a she's good at creatively right.
1: cultivating
0: things and and some of it I think works but yeah. I don't but people like sometimes hold her up as this pantheon of like oh true artist and explorer and like yeah. groundbreaking and I don't see her as that but I also see her as really good at marketing really yeah. good at marketing herself and she's got a spin on things and I don't think it's all 100% truthful
1: That's all. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. There's definitely could be some artifice there. I, I wonder, like, if there's if there's now a spectrum, like, especially in these times. Yes, like, absolutely. Like that, you, know, like you have your Kanye's and I mean,
0: absolutely. And, and how does that? Uh, yes, and make? then 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 for me, that's the yeah. that's the thing that just doesn't appeal to me. Like, I can hang with it with your with your openness mm-hmm. if it's authentic and the way that it resonates with me as being authentic. Maybe she resonates with other people as authentic, and that's just a different spectrum, like you mm-hmm.
1: said. I well, I had never considered. That. So, it's just something I would have to think on based on my experience. But I think that's a really good idea to kind of explore.
0: I think Neil I Gaiman, though, is very interesting. I've, I've, um...
1: I, I mean, I would, I would hate to pull back the curtain on Neil Gaiman and find yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, it would be, maybe, it would be a hammer blow. I mean, it's just in terms of, he, he sort of professes this, the exact opposite. So maybe that's why they are attracted to each maybe. other. Maybe. Um, maybe. But he, he's at right now at the pinnacle of it just, Just success—it's ridiculous. He's got like three different shows. I know all the literature. I mean, the guy's just a hot commodity. And but with that said. I, I enjoy all of his writing. I I can't I just yep. it. I it's like and he comes at it from all the different sides. Yeah, he, he's not just strict strictly linear. He hits. He's done comics. He's done graphic novels. Yeah. he's done horror. Yeah, he's done nonfiction. He's done it all. Yeah, and I yeah. And, and and I really gravitate towards that and so I like to be at least think of myself as a jack of all trades. Yeah,
0: yep, yep.
1: Yeah, it drives me crazy just going back to the books and I'll never finish them all. When I have maybe. So what's the
0: word? there must be a german word we should ask tristan about this there must be yes. some sort of german word for the guilt of not finishing books like what is that the absolutely. angst the yes. angst you feel like where to? like um the, i don't know i can't think of a good word made up word on on the spot but there must be some sort of like german word there for absolutely like, the angst of not of having books in your house that you don't read
1: if we'll have to ask him or oh, the next time i see you i'm gonna find out i'm gonna tell you <laughs>
0: What the Japanese thing is. Yeah. I love when he read the poem uh, last year at the at the end about Ireland and the and the band and being in the pub. And we said to the 13-year-old, you know, tell us who whose work you like. Because it's always interesting to hear her little synopsis mm-hmm. of the, like, what transpired through, through the public reading. And, like, she never necessarily says, hey, I loved your work the best. She doesn't even have that, like, in her, like, mm. uh, you know, like – Tell me, tell Felicia that she did a good job. But she was like, you know, that guy that got up to talk about the pub and stuff, I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about. I was was like, it's a poem. And she's like, like, yeah, I knew there was something about a pub or whatever. Um, And then I think she liked the piece that um, Elaine wrote about because she talked about french fries and yeah. and rivier beach so oh, sure. she was she, it was like identifiable things that she well, could thanks. she could get her hands around which was cute um well just in a matter of time keeping mm-hmm. we're getting close to the hour here is there anything that you'd like to share as in terms of wrapping up or plugs or
1: I just plug thoughts uh, the group, as usual, um, you know, we are both part of the Maldon Writers Collaborative. Um, typically, we, our seasons run from October through May. Yep. Um, we like to share that information. And, uh, you know, membership is, is sort, of, sort of pretty much solidifying up at the front of the season. But um, you know,
0: Something to keep in mind for future. Something to
1: keep in mind. And we're always looking for new blood. And, and we're looking for, you know, diversity, people of color. We're looking for more women, more perspectives. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do we have more of a male group this year?
1: It, it it's tough to say. I don't think so. I think it's fairly distributed. Fairly but, distributed but in terms of membership, but participation hasn't headed that way. Okay. Uh, up front, a lot of the manuscripts have been male-driven this year. It's just been that way, but I'm hoping it swings back the other way. So I hope that a lot of of, of our uh, women in the work in the group start to bring their work in because we need
0: it. Yeah, definitely.
1: And we want to hear it.
0: Yeah, um, definitely.
1: But it's it's a great place to land. It's the Malden Writers Collaborative. It's out of the Malden Public Library, and, and we're always looking for new people. So uh, yeah, definitely plug that.
0: And then if people want to find you, you and your online and your blog, how do they find you?
1: Um, it, just as you said earlier it's on procrastination.com uh crass would be c r a s s um, there is a bit of a reverence on my blog so um, a little bit of punnery on that so they can find me there procrastination.com
0: and you have quite a following, don't you? It's it's it's
1: reasonable. I, well, I had a really great following until Facebook decided they weren't <laughs> carry over with it. Uh, I had about fifteen thousand people based on my friends from Facebook, but it's it's um it's, it grows a little bit every year, so it's a lot of
0: fun. And they and you lost that from I,
1: I lost five thousand people because the Facebook they wouldn't um, carry over the 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 acknowledgement of that. So oh I, I have all of my Twitter followers. I have the direct followers on the blog. But it's exciting because I've met a lot of great people in the in the blogging
0: community, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and talk about varying perspectives and
0: oh, definitely, and just
1: really neat things and and, and you know, really uh, ideas that kind of just push at you and
0: absolutely that's, that's a lot of
1: fun. And, and, and the same thing with the podcasts.
0: What do you? What is your hosting platform for your blog?
1: I'm uh, WordPress right now.
0: You're on WordPress.
1: It's 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 really user friendly. Yeah, um, it has some it has some issues, but overall, uh, I like the the theme that I have and. It's sort of plug and play. I don't have to really worry too much about it. And they're very helpful if you have any issues.
0: What are your um, thoughts about how to incorporate that as a blog?
1: Well, essentially...
0: um, I'm sorry, how to incorporate the blog as a podcast.
1: Oh, well, I've seen other people do it. I'm not saying that that means it's necessarily easy, the time and energy that would I, I would have to talk to you more about this and your experience, mm-hmm. but, but my understanding of the editing process and the time consuming things that are, for me, doing the blog is as easy as my interface and then there it goes. I, yeah, I hold all yeah, the yeah. edits, yeah. but as something um, you know, like this, the production of a podcast, yep. it's not necessarily that. But plugins.
0: do you see it as like you reading pieces or you interacting around a piece with the with viewers or a little
1: little bit of both listeners or i I would probably i would probably do like an ego-driven piece of it where i do poetry and talk about things but i'd also like to have people on and have a conversation like we're having okay it's so much fun yeah and 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 it's just a good
0: have you ever done a facebook live
1: i haven't i haven't i've been sort of i have been. i have a love hate relationship with facebook
0: yeah i do too
1: I, i i at times i don't know why i'm on there but then uh I don't know. There's got to be something better.
0: <laughs> there has to be, yeah. right? I, I just—I it, find Twitter is a cesspool. But yeah. then there are certain people I follow that just like make right. me laugh really hard. Absolutely. Like one of the things that I follow is Bad Taxidermy. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen I it? Oh my like, God, it's so good. Yeah. And then the guy who put, whose name is God, and he's just really like really funny, and oh, he like man. so God. I follow God and Bad Taxidermy. Those are my two favorites.
1: I'm gonna have to look those up.
0: <laughs> um, I follow Stephen King on Twitter too because he's he's, he's very funny.
1: Plus, he you know, his sens- sensibility aligns a lot with mine politically. So
0: yeah, I, um, he, uh... I follow Amy Sedaris.
1: She's great. Oh my yeah. god, she's amazing. Both the Sedarises.
0: Oh, I love them both. Like you, you, that you, would be dream lunch for me. Yeah. I'm sure it would be like a, a it would just go over really badly. Like who knows what kind of conversation I, we could have. But that if I could have lunch with. Amy Sedaris and David Sedaris. Oh, my God.
1: I think you'd surprise them. And I, and I think Eva would want to be there with you. Yeah.
0: Well, the last time that we saw, I guess, you know, his tradition of he won't take selfies, but if you go to a book signing, he'll spend as much time as you want talking to you about whatever. Mm-hmm. And he signs like horribly filthy, disgusting things in your book. That's and um, I, w- I love that idea. Like if I ever could get my book a book published that's what i would do if i had to do book tours i wouldn't take pictures with anyone cuz i hate that whole process but yeah. i would love to like spend time and just sign people's books and write really awful things in their books and
1: that would be amazing yeah, yeah. And, and it's memorable and it's, it's absolutely so I, yeah, and, and i you
0: know i don't he's one of the people that i like that style of writing. I Mm. like small, quick chapters. You're not quite sure if they're real or not. Mm. Obviously, I think you put his book in a memoir category, but you read them and you think, did it really happen? Did that really happen? So it's like, you know, it's everybody's memory is a little fuzzy. Yeah, I like
1: that. One of my favorite words, embellishment. I like that work.
0: <laughs> well, I hope you voted today. I did. Awesome.
1: Excitingly, I did. And I made it a point to let them know at work that I was leaving to vote because I want them to go vote.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's just it's, it's so important.
0: We have some interesting things going on with Malden politics, so we do. That um, that's it, a whole another show, though,
1: right? It sure is. Yeah, but but the important thing is that we both voted, and, and I'm really keen to see the results.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Even in the other wards that I don't live in.
0: Yeah, so me like too. It's really
1: tight races. And
0: yeah, me it, too.
1: Big things are happening here in Malden.
0: I'm a I'm a happy Gary supporter. Me um too. I like that Gary picks up trash. Yeah. I, I think
1: who wouldn't like a guy like that?
0: I'm sorry. I see Gary. Out at everything. I think he's really hardworking. Um, I was oh, yeah. not impressed by his his. Um Challenger. I was I, not impressed by anything his challenger had to say.
1: I wasn't. in the social media platform and presence he had was really, really negative.
0: negative and Very not, negative. It took away
1: from in his a, credibility. In,
0: yeah, in a way that didn't, it was unnecessary. It was really unnecessary. You can always challenge somebody on their ideas or their record, yeah. but you don't challenge somebody on their character. Yeah. Or you don't falsify or exaggerate things to suit your needs because it doesn't benefit you in any way. It just makes you look like a, like a douche, you right, know,
1: yeah. And especially since the city's done so well on you know the,
0: Yeah. Uh, oh and you can sure. criticize yeah. you can criticize or say you would like to do something different or you could have yeah. gotten there differently or but you know what? That guy's a member of the city council. So if he had something to say, he could have been saying it all along and he could have been influencing decisions That's right. all along. That's right. So you can't then be, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterbacker and be like, well, I would have done it differently. Yeah. Dude, you were there. That's you right. could have done it differently. Absolutely. So whatever. <laughs> Good luck to all the candidates.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Felicia.
0: It was a pleasure.
1: It was a pleasure being here and an honor. So looking awesome. to hear.
0: Yeah. You. It takes me a little bit to get things um, squared away, but okay. this was uh, the Hi Felicia podcast. And my guest today was Christopher Hickey, but we call him Chris. And thanks for all you do for the Malden Writers Collaborative. Thank you. Sometimes at the end of the show, people say...
1: Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Can I
0: use my radio voice? Yes. Bye, Bye Felicia.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Chris. Thank you. If friends say, can
0: he talk in crab or pelican? You'll say
1: like helica. (laughs) And you'll be right. And if you just stop to think a bit, there's no doubt of it. I shall win a place in history. I can walk with the animals, talk with the animals. Grunt
0: and squeak and squawk with the animal!